This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Dr. Geetha Nayar, Chief Healthcare and Innovation Officer at Femwell Group Health. And then we also felt, like you said, transparency. You know, there are so many folks that'll see three or four OBGYNs before they actually decide on one because they want to know their bedside manner. They want to have a sense for their personality. And so we felt that bringing our physicians on our program, people got a little bit of insight into all of those things as well as their knowledge. Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, Emerge Mobile First. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. Dr. Nayar currently serves as the Chief Healthcare Innovation Officer for Femwell Group Health Incorporated, one of the largest management services organizations in the state of Florida. She's also the host of Topline MDTV, Florida's newest medical digital news channel, She has been named one of the top 26 smartest people in health IT by Becker's report and ranked one of the top 25 minority healthcare executives by Modern Healthcare. MedCity News recognized her as one of the top 12 powerful women voices in healthcare innovation and on Twitter. Really excited to have her on today. Gita, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. Jordan, thanks so much for the invitation. I'm really jazzed to be talking with you today. Absolutely. I'm really excited to dig into your background, personally coming from pre-health and in my college days into technology. So I'm really excited to hear about your transitions. And so what I'd like to do is start out by digging into your origin story to really understand what makes you tick and what shapes your perspective for these insights we're going to dig into. So for me, you know, I'm really passionate about learning how and why things work and then using these insights to solve real problems for people and then tying in mobile technology, you know, how it enables us to solve problems on a global scale. So what are the things that you're most passionate about in your profession and then why? There's so much to be passionate about, right? You know, watching what's going on in the news, you know, healthcare is such a personal thing. And I think as a physician, first and foremost, we just look at the world always with a very clinical view. I feel very strongly that, you know, there are a lot of solutions in healthcare, a lot of solutions in medicine, but oftentimes the process is actually what what hampers care. And so I really like to and really get very excited about improving processes to then be able to deliver the actual healthcare part, which I think is actually much easier than the rest of it. So I can't imagine as a 10-year-old, right, you're sitting there thinking about process to improve the healthcare system. So I guess what were the things that really created this drive and this passion in you? So I definitely did not go to medical school thinking I was going to end up working for the phone company. So I went to medical school like so many other med students because I wanted to make a difference because I loved science and I loved people. It seemed like the best fit as opposed to maybe a research position or, or just bench science, given that I was a science nerd. So I really found medicine intriguing because it really fit what I felt was a perfect fit for my personality, which is someone who's able to really engage with people, but at the same time want to do something meaningful and, and love science. So I, I definitely went to medical school with that passion. And as that evolved, and as I was going through my career as a medical student, a resident, and a fellow, I saw so much dysfunction on the process side, right? And when I say process, that's meant to be a catch-all. So whether it was health policy, whether it was administration, whether it was medical legal issues, and now in the era that we're in, all of the, the health technology process problems and solutions that have come out of that, this era, you know, I really just saw 
that as a physician, I was able to make an impact more on a one-on-one -on -one basis, as opposed to someone who was able to see it from a global view and kind of evolved into the role that I have now for that reason, because I felt like I was able to make a bigger impact on the overall care of populations and medicine by, by being able to have a broader view than just one-on-one -on -one patient care. Yeah. And I mean, in the healthcare industry, right, there's so many processes. So I can imagine your plate is just full of opportunities to dive into. Absolutely. One of the big things that we're doing at my organization is we're really focusing on patient engagement, right? And, and not just as a buzzword, but really because we all appreciate, I think, the shifts that are changing in healthcare and, and the healthcare consumer of today is really in the driver's seat, perhaps in a way that they never have been in the past um, with all of the high deductible plans and people actually making a decision about whether they're going to do a $500 MRI or a $300 MRI, it makes a difference. And so I think that the providers are feeling it, the payers are feeling it, and the large part of the pharmaceutical companies are feeling it. So I think all the economics around the consumer have really lined up, but we also now have the ability because of the understandings in value-based care, as well as with the technology out there to really meet our consumers where they're at. And the way we're looking at it, the way I'm looking at it is in a couple of ways, right? So when we talk about telemedicine or virtual medicine, you know, there's no reason that we can't be answering patients' questions in the comfort of their own home as opposed to an urgent care or an emergency room unless there's some sort of intervention that's needed. So I think really pushing the envelope in that in that regard is something that's very important to myself and, and our organization, as well as just patient engagement overall, making sure our patients are aware of simple things like when they have an appointment, what time it's at, are they planning to come, texting them a reminder, asking them to confirm it, and then also sending them discharge information as well as patient education material pre or post their visit. So there's some really simple things that we're working on, but believe it or not, these are very innovative in healthcare. As you know, healthcare still has a very traditional mindset. So I think any organization that's making movement in these spaces only adds to lessons learned for the whole industry. Definitely. And you've mentioned the organization a couple of times. Can you give us a quick overview of Femwell Group Health for those who don't know about it? So Femwell Group Health is a management services organization here in South Florida. We basically manage the back office of about 500 physicians in the state of Florida. And we have, again, one of the largest MSOs in the state. And it's just particularly gratifying in my position to be able to make decisions or do things that really scale. So when I was talking about making an impact beyond one-on-one -on -one patient care, you know, I could never see that many patients in a lifetime, right, as 500 docs that are out there doing the same thing. So it's very exciting for me as a, as a doc to see what some of these technologies can do. And then also just from the business side, administrative side to also see us, you know, moving the economics and really making some really logical business decisions along with making good care available to people we wouldn't otherwise be able to. That's interesting. So as the chief healthcare and innovation officer at FGH, you know, what are some of your main focuses? How are you helping move the needle? How are you helping, you know, enable this technology transformation of these clients? couple of ways. So I'll start off actually talking about our marketing brand. So our marketing brand is actually called Topline MD. And we okay. basically represent, again, 500 plus docs. So we actually have more than just the docs in our MSO. Essentially, we really push the needle in terms of social media marketing. We have a YouTube channel that I'm the host of and we bring our docs on and we'll ask them questions about Zika virus and mammograms and the latest guidelines and just things that people would normally ask them in their office and, and really make them available to people online, right? They're maybe thinking of going to see a doc or maybe not thinking of going to see a doc, but just want to get educated on some of these things. So again, very organic content 
our docs are not paid for any of this. And it really, I think, has been a cool venture for us as a conservative medical organization to push the needle in the social media space. As far as our other initiatives, I mean, I think we're doing so much that so many folks in the industry are trying to do. So we're really trying to get a handle on our data, providing our data both to our physicians as well as to our patients. So whenever we talk about patient engagement, I also believe in physician engagement, making sure that my docs, you know, know their practice metrics, know their C-section rates, you know, how are they doing with their diabetics and so on and so forth. And where do they want to be, right? Where do they fall in, in terms of the group as well as the national average and making sure that we are actually practicing good clinical outcomes medicine. We are also innovating in the telemedicine space, as I mentioned. We have the largest group of OBGYNs here in the state. I will tell you, OBGYN is a specialty in that there is a lot that's really required hands-on, whether from a physical exam standpoint or the actual delivery of a baby. So it's been really gratifying for us to see and explore the things you can do in a specialty that even requires that much sort of high touch, if you will, and really pushing again on just population health in general, value-based care, and trying to our docs the, the right tools they need to make sure that, that our data actually lines up against the averages across the country. I kind of want to unpack this media venture that you guys are investing in. I think it's really interesting. And you being the host, I, I think you have a great purview over some of the strategies and content because it really seems like you're making a big transparency push for this industry. And, and I'm curious, what drove this big investment into this? Because it's not just, you know, you have this social media platform, it's you have this TV channel, and you're hosting this, and then you have all this content you're creating, and you're looping in all of these doctors that like you mentioned, are doing this free content, what really drove that? And then what impact has it made for you? You know, a lot of our physicians actually said, to me, you know, we we don't know about marketing. We don't know how to do marketing. We need help with that. So that was one need. The second thing is a realization that every consumer out there is on social media, right? And if they, as a demographic, are not on social media, certainly their caregiver is on social media. And we also did sort of research and exercise on our own part to realize that the consumer that we're actually talking to, right? Because we, like every organization, have budgets. And as we thought about who's the audience we're trying to reach, we felt that we were trying to reach Dr. Mom. You know, in all the data that we looked at, we said the healthcare decision maker in the home is always Dr. Mom. It's the spouse taking care of the husband. It's the spouse taking care of the grandparents. It's the spouse taking care of the kids. And by and far, that remains the woman of the household. And what we realized also is that the woman of the household is very much on social media and certain channels on social media, right? So we chose Facebook, we chose Twitter, chose YouTube. We have not made an investment in Instagram at this time. Um, so things along those lines really lined up for us. And then we also felt, like you said, transparency. You know, there are so many folks that'll see three or four OBGYNs before they actually decide on one because they want to know their bedside manner. They want to have a sense for their personality. And so we felt that bringing our physicians on our program, people got a little bit of insight into all of those things as well as their knowledge before actually coming in to see their doc. And likewise, many patients also forget what their docs tell them when they leave the office. So we also you know, have made this library available on YouTube so that if you happen to be a patient of Dr. Smith or Dr. Garcia in our group, you can go on and hear what Dr. Smith or Garcia tells their patients about mammograms, pastors, colonoscopies, et cetera. It's been really, really interesting for us, along with obviously also taking a look at online reputation, realizing that people are leaving reviews about our physicians, about other physicians and organizations online, whether it's on Yelp or otherwise. So we felt it was really important to meet the consumer where they are at. And this was you know, really our uh, at doing that. 
That's really cool. And I imagine there's so many questions that people have just in this industry in general, and then about the things specifically that, that you're referencing. How do you go about in creating these topics? Is it open source to these channels? Or, or what's, the, what's that mechanism look like to come up with really the editorial calendar? We went through a couple of things. In the beginning, we asked our physicians what they wanted to talk about, what was their area of specialty. We started to look at just broader editorial calendars. You know, we certainly work with a marketing communications firm that helps us. Then we've actually, you know, actively solicit feedback from our patients, from folks on social media, and we'll ask them, you know, what do you want to ask a top-line MD physician about this month or next episode? So it's really been a combination of all of those things. And also, obviously, topics that we think are important for consumers to know, important for our population to know, and ones that we know are also very complicated and that frequently get asked. So we try to address those. Again, all in a casual environment. If you take a look at the program, Top on MD on YouTube, you'll see we try to keep it very Oprah-esque and, and try to keep it very down to earth and very um, living room friendly style. And, and our videos are anywhere from a minute and a half to less. We also learned the longer the videos were, we, we lost people, especially when it comes to some of these hard medical topics. And most people are looking for actually one topic. So they just want to know about Zika virus. They just want to know about the flu shot. So we also tried to start keeping ours very content specific around a minute or so. And then people could you know surf around and, and see if there's anything else they wanted to look up in our library. So I kind of want to reiterate this process because I think it's worth mentioning the route that you guys took. I think it's really cool. So you first, you mentioned you have these 500 physicians and you provide management solutions. So obviously you're always talking to your customers, trying to figure out how to improve your offering. And it sounds like you talked to them, you found one of the big pain points is this marketing for them and, and how to maybe get in touch with their customers a little bit better. And then from there, once you determine this is might be something worth exploring, then it sounds like you talk to their patients and their customers to figure out what sort of content and information they want to receive. And then from there, partnering with maybe a Marcom partner and understanding this content you need to deliver. And then now you're just kind of optimizing this content. Is that kind of the path you took or was there any gaps in there that, that I might have missed? I think you've nailed it. I mean, again, it's an iterative process, so we're, we're learning as we go. And then from there, we've actually had a partnership also with NBC6. We also had a partnership with American Airlines. So for about two months in December, we had the back of the American Airlines TV screens talking about breast cancer with one of our partners. So we've, we've really enjoyed it. And again, I think what's been really exciting for us is the authenticity of it. So again, you know, I've had docs on the show in between takes that say, Keith, I'd rather do about five C-sections than be on camera. You know, this is, this is <laughs> definitely out of their comfort zone. So I, I think right. also appreciating that, you know, my docs are great at what they do, but it's also a challenge. It's not easy to be on camera and to be authentic. So it's also been a learning process for us. And I think one that viewers enjoy and appreciate because, you know, you're not necessarily getting a paid guest. You're getting an authentic doc. If you came to see them, these are the top three things they, they tell you about. So the, uh, the American Airlines sponsorship seems a little random, I guess. What prompted that or, or, you know, why? Sure. I mean, you know, like so many things in life, Jordan, right? Things are just, just things happen, happenstance. So we, yeah. we, again, we're a South Florida-based organization, American Airlines, one of the bigger airlines here with the Miami hub. So many of our physicians take care of uh, patients that are coming from abroad, flying into Miami, getting healthcare, and, and then flying out. So it, it just ended up that... 
we were approached and I think it just kind of made sense given the the demographic that we serve and, and the geography that we're in. So it sounds like you've established this big content engine, right? Is that really what this thing is? Definitely content as well as a, as a marketing brand that we've launched off the ground through sort of the innovation process. Very cool. Are there uh, specific KPIs or things that you're looking at to really measure the effectiveness of this? I mean, certainly we're hoping for patient retention, patient acquisition, you know, SEO optimization, obviously having content that's dynamic helps all of that. But we're we're continuing to iterate as we go. And and also, you know, there's certain things you have to do to capture certain metrics when it comes to um, retention and acquisition of the website, if you're doing appointments, uh, you know, on the website, which we are not. So there's a lot of places that we're still really blind on our metrics. But again, we've we've done a lot. We've seen a lot, but we, we continue to have you know, room for improvement. Now that I kind of have the context of what Topline MD is and, and really what this marketing brand is, I'm curious how it's set up to help these 500 physicians. How does it help their individual marketing needs? Is it how they're brought into it or is it segmented in some way? So all of the things we're sort of doing on the innovation side with all the products and services under Topline MD, which which we'll call our innovation arm. So everything that we're doing, telemedicine, patient engagement, physician engagement, are members of Topline. And as members, they have access to these products and services that are really transformative and meant to help them, you know, meet the demands of the of the future of healthcare. Got it. Okay. You mentioned, you know, there's KPIs that you're looking at, you're wanting it to impact, you know, patient retention, as an example, and some other things. Have you noticed any one major impact that it's made for you so far? Well, definitely on the on the products and services side. I mean, we can you know point to all kinds of metrics as far as number of telemedicine encounters we've done or things we've done on on sort of the engagement side with our data. So those are really clear. As far as on the branding side, I mean, it's just been really amazing in the community to see people say, "Oh, you know, I saw this episode or we saw you on social," and then obviously the shout outs we get on on social media and our blog, and and certainly for the online reviews, it's been tremendous for us. Like so many docs, we did not have a digital footprint before. So the, the fact that we have a digital footprint and it's being recognized is pretty amazing for us. We also did win two content marketing awards on the Top Energy program this year for two of our episodes. So that was really, really cool for us as well. Oh, sweet. What episodes were those? Do you know, do you have them handy? One was on the Zika virus. As you can imagine, that was a pretty hot topic um, yeah. in South Florida in particular, and especially being an OB group. And the second one was for the coverage that we have done, um, sort of coverage on, on breast cancer and just breast cancer awareness and the latest guidelines, how to debunk various myths and flaws in, in the various guidelines, and just having a real candid conversation about some of the confusion out there about screening. That's interesting. I'll make sure to link to these in the show notes then so that everyone can go and check these out directly just to kind of see how you've structured this content and the things that have taken off because I can totally understand and relate with the podcast how these content engines just kind of take a life of their own and then just go just like you were mentioning with the American Airlines things just happen, right? I guess, is there anything that has happened now that you're in this and it's, it's just growing and, and doing things that maybe you didn't expect that was kind of a surprise and delight? You know, things I didn't expect, it's interesting. So one, I didn't I didn't realize how many of my docs were camera shy. So that was very enlightening to know people would rather <laughs> do surgery than go on camera. And then how many were not? I mean, at the same time, I had so many people that were jumping at the bit to say, no, I want to come on. I want to talk about this, that or the other. You know, I think there's so much. We really went from longer episodes to shorter episodes. We've learned a lot about how to engage the consumer on social media. And we've, again, really appreciated the community 
recognizing us, inviting us. Recently got invited to be on the Michael Putney show down here to talk about the healthcare bill. So there's just been any number of invitations and just learnings along the way. I'm also having a very deep respect for SEO and how SEO works and that it's a, it's a complicated algorithm to try and get your organization to have a digital footprint in a meaningful way. So it's, it's been definitely a learning journey. So I'm sure now with this big investment into all these various social channels and, and how most of social is actually consumed on a mobile device, that you have some intentional strategy around mobile consumption. Do you have any specific analytics that you're looking at specific to mobile or, or how has mobile made an impact in your strategy? Again, we are, are making an investment in the patient engagement space. So we have a technology vendor that we've partnered with in that regard, and they just have a really amazing solution. And there's all kinds of metrics around patient acquisition, retention, surveys, patient education. So there's there's any number of things that we're looking at. And obviously, all the value-based metrics, and if we've moved the needle on closing gaps in care by engaging our patients at the right time in the right place. So definitely, we've, we've made some investments in that regard. Geetha, is there anything that you're very excited about of all of these things? Because we're mentioning some KPIs and things that it can impact, but is there any specific solution that from your perspective, you're really excited about? I really appreciate that patient engagement is the future. And I think that's a catch-all for everything. And to me, as a doc, it just means meeting the patient where they're at. HealthGrid is our partner on the patient engagement solution side and the pop health side. And we've really enjoyed working with them. HIPAA Bridge is our partner um, in the telemedicine space. I continue to believe that there is a lot of promise and potential in that space provided the liability and reimbursement um, regulations follow. But I think all of these are really patient engagement. And it really is about meeting the patients, you know, where they are, the same way we do with other industries, whether it's now online banking, whether it is the way you book your flights, it is the way you check into your flights. There's no reason that we can't make some of the mundane processes of healthcare simpler the same way we do in other complex industries. So I'm excited to see us move the needle in that regard. And obviously the outcomes are the key. You know, I I think you should be able to see your doc. You should be able to get a procedure done or a test done, know what you're buying and, and have a good outcome. And if you don't, you should be able to get access to care very quickly to rectify whatever the issue might be. You know, is there any one specific scenario that really stands out to you that this will make an impact on this patient engagement innovation will really change? You know, there's actually so many, actually, there are so many patient cases. There are so many anecdotes. You'll have to invite me back. There are there, there really so many. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? I can tell you a really simple one. I had one of my primary care physicians that was very hell-bent on not doing telemedicine and was sure that there was no place for it and it was cumbersome and not not the way to go. And essentially, she had a longtime patient that had been seeing her, I think, for many, many years. And her spouse actually called her and said, my wife is vomiting. She can't get up from the bed. This has been going on for about 30 minutes. I want to take her to the ER. And I think I'm going to have to actually call an ambulance because I can't even get her out of the bed. She's vomiting so much and I'm afraid she's going to aspirate. She'll you know, choke on her own vomit. So this doc that was so against telemedicine actually said, listen, I think we should do a telemedicine visit real quick. And let me just try to assess what's going on before you call an ambulance. It just seemed like a very dramatic thing for the, for the spouse to do. So mm-hmm. she got on a quick telemedicine visit. She assessed the situation. She assessed that the patient basically just had vertigo, but it was vertigo that was caused by sort of an imbalance in some of the crystals in the ear. And there's a certain maneuver that doctors will do for patients if they come into the office that will actually fix it pretty quickly. So she actually talked the husband through the maneuver 
to how to do it to his wife. And they did it together on this video conference. And that was it. She had a beautiful Saturday night after that. She stopped vomiting. She didn't end up going to the ER. She will actually now be a patient for life for this individual <laughs> physician. And it, and it wasn't serious because I think the take home there is as a clinician, if that patient had come to the ER, she would have gotten a head CT. She would have gotten a pregnancy test. She would have gotten all kinds of lab work. She would have cost the system thousands and thousands of dollars, not to mention her own bill. Mm-hmm. And because our physician knew that patient, knew her history, um, and was able to assess it very quickly and even do a procedure that would have been done in the office um, or an exam procedure that would have been done in the office for about a couple hundred bucks. And it was a good outcome. Wow, that's such a cool story. Yeah. So I guess what are the limitations then for everyone being able to access something like this? The big limitations to innovation are always regulation, right? So there's always mm-hmm. lots of innovation. I, I believe there are so many technology solutions out there. There's so many solutions out there, period, whether you know, it relates to research, clinical science, pharmaceuticals, but it's the reimbursement that is a big hurdle for docs and the liability, right? No, mm-hmm. no, there's already so many concerns over medical liability. So the idea that you would practice medicine over a virtual chat, I think that every physician worries about the exposure that that provides. And, and obviously the reimbursement look, you know, everyone has to also be paid for services that are rendered. And if these are not being reimbursed by insurance companies, then it becomes hard for uh, you know, a physician to convert some of these visits to that type of environment. So it continues to be an issue. So Geetha, what's the coolest thing that you're working on right now? I know you've mentioned uh, you know, a couple of different topics here. But what's the coolest thing that you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out and follow up on? Well, you know, I'm excited about all of these things, as I mentioned. I mean, our most recent press release has to do with our PCMH partner, HealthGrid, again. Everything we're doing in the telemedicine space with HIPAA Bridge is very exciting. And obviously, love for everyone to tune in to Topline MD on YouTube and see what we're doing in the patient education and social media space. So appreciate you guys checking it out. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. Is there one place that you recommend someone start so they can get a little taste of what you're working on? You know, I, I think it's really easy to find us in, in the digital space. So again, you can find any of the things that we're doing on, on YouTube from a B2B standpoint on LinkedIn. We have any number of things that we're talking about and writing about in the blogosphere. I think the next conference that I will probably be presenting on some of these things more granularly will be at HIMSS next year in Vegas. So, you know, love to see anyone obviously at any of these big leadership conferences, but uh, we're, we're really easy to find. So it, should, it shouldn't be hard to hear about what we're doing. And, and, and I think you just start. I think you start by having the conversation and, and taking the risk because there is certainly no pretense that we have it all figured out. We, we appreciate that this is all in the innovation space and, and learning as we go. All right. Well, everyone, there you have it. Go to YouTube and LinkedIn to keep in touch with what uh, Geetha's working on there. And then also make sure to turn in, tune in this Friday for our rapid fire question round where Geetha will be sharing some of her most valuable resources. So Geetha, you, you know, thank you for sharing resources, really digging into your background as well and, and sharing kind of from your perspective, how you're changing the game with this transparency, because I really think that this is a critical need for a lot of people and to have people pushing this forward and providing a lot of answers and providing the technology to make these answers easier to get is, is really big. So thank you again for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for the invite. Hey, thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in this Friday for this week's guest resources from our rapid fire question round. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. 
So visit emergemobilefirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.